You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 181, sponsored by InStock Trades and Coast City Styles. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 181. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I am here with Ron Richards. As always. And Josh Lanigan. Good morrow to you both, sirs. Harumph. Huzzah. We are iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us cries about having to make the Pick of the Week, but they do it. They write a review about the, on the website. We talk about it on this show. We talk about other books of the week. We talk about voicemails and emails and all kinds of fun things. And before we get to the show, we like to remind everyone that this is a review show for the books of the week. So we're going to talk about spoilers and things that happen. So if you haven't read your books yet, pause the show and come back later. You'll be more thankful. A rumpf, Josh. A rumpf. Okay. Now, everybody hates a qualification. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Here we go. Are you going to explain why the pick of the week isn't Thor? Oh, we'll get to that. Why isn't it Thor? <laughs> why isn't it uh, Thor? Why, why do you hate Love. <laughs> Why isn't it Detective Comics? You Why isn't it? I was apparently I was wrong about that. Out, my opinion was wrong. I had a really, really hard time picking comics this week because I got through them all, and because your store sucks, because you lost your th- thumbs in a Thrasher accident. Yeah, it was and it was bleeding all over everything, so I missed the key points of things because it was covered in blood. You know, I got through everything and I'd read a lot of books that were pretty good, a lot of four star books, but it was hard for me to pick out one that I didn't think. You know, that you can really crow about. You can be like, this This was great, you know? And so I actually read some more books. I, I added some things on. I, I really thought about it for a while, and I decided I had to go with the what it made me feel quotient. And in that case, what I came up with was uh, Invincible number 61, because at the end of it, I felt the happiest. Did you feel funny inside? A little bit. Maybe I got a little I, dirty? I got a, no, not at all dirty. I got a good tingle, you know? Guilty? Sort of like when you look over the edge. ashamed? You're going, you're going through something here, aren't you? Did you have to take a shower afterwards? No, no, I didn't. Right. I didn't. If you read the last issue of Invincible number 60, you will remember that that was the summer blockbuster in one issue. The whole big crossover, everything happens. And if you read it, you probably also know that it kind of didn't work. We talked about it last month, and uh, I remember Tom Caters just excoriated the thing uh, yeah, on Around yeah, Comics. Yeah, apart, yeah. You know, I didn't feel that badly about it, but I thought it didn't work. But it was an experiment, and I I kind of respect that. You know, like they try to try new things. It certainly is, and and you know, and ha- half a book is writing, and half a book is art. And Ryan Otley, I don't know if I can say he's getting better and better, but I love it more every time. And I even think like the last issue, even though it was kind of difficult to follow, I thought he did a really good job. You know, trying to put in as much as he could. I can literally imagine how his hand hurt afterwards. And the book hasn't been late, so he did all that. You know, sort of on time. This issue, number 61, uh, titled The Aftermath of the Invincible War, where basically the, the, the deal was a lot of Invincibles came, uh, clones from other worlds, and just wrecked house on everything. And you kind of just didn't know what had happened. So this is him dealing with the fallout of, of what had happened afterwards. And he's getting, he's getting a guilty conscience. He's getting a, a Matt Murdockness about him, where all of this stuff is happening and it's his fault. Not because he did something wrong, but just, you know, he put into action, you know, chains of events that, that caused a lot of bad things to happen. And also public, and, the public uh, 
perception is against him as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, he's always had the problem that his father very publicly, you know, turned, you know, yeah, or, or revealed that he was. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the world being fickle as it is, people don't know whether to trust him or not. And so he's got that. That's the Spider-Man thing, you know, like nobody quite knows yeah. what side he's on. And so basically, you know, when, when everything goes down and, and goes bad, that's when a good writer knows – don't forget to bring back the horrible shit and turn it up even worse on him. And that's what happened, basically. The last three pages, I'm not going to say what it was, but it brings back a storyline that's been around, you know, sort of since the beginning of the book. And it's a great, it's a great last three pages. Like, you literally Did you turn... Did grow a mustache? Um, no, but there are mustaches involved, if that means it. But you literally turn the page, and then you see the power that, that Ryan Otley has to draw a page that makes you go, whoa. Yeah. Um, and it's just the... It's a very simple page with a figure on it, and you just... I get riddled. It like takes your breath out. Like, oh shit, that's that's really bad. And then, and then the very last page is this. It's a silent. It's a silent full page splash page with these two little figures that are just about to go into combat, and it's drawn so damn well. Um, just body, you know, sort of sort of posturing and 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 composition. And I remember, like, I got to the very end of the book, and I just thought, "Geez, that was that's a great ending to an issue." And and what it did more than anything was get me excited for the next issue. And so while while the rest of the book, it was a good issue. It was fine. I thought I was looking. I, I think Otley's layouts are really good. He's really good at telling the story that way, and and sort of um, getting his characters to act in this sort of mix of cartooniness and and drama. But the end of it really sealed it for me. I like the the overall direction of you know things have got to change. Things have got to happen. Not unlike, say, in another storytelling medium like The Office. Like it was getting really stagnant. So on the recent episodes, they've split things up and they changed things around and it really worked. This is him moving the world along and, and changing things up on it. And readers don't like that a lot. Readers go, oh, why do you have to change everything? But, you know, you have to do it because you keep having, you know, keep people surprised and keep them guessing what's going to happen and don't let anybody get too comfortable. And the one thing he's not let happen is to let Invincible get very comfortable. Just when you, and just because it's just when you think everything's going to be okay, okay, he's got the girl, he's got the brother, he's everything is going to be fine. You know, it, it's a continual ripping the rug out from underneath him, and that gets harder and harder as you go on. And so, you know, based on all that stuff, this was this was probably the most fun book that I it was the most fun book that I read this week. Yeah, it was and, it was good. I mean, I I, 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 I go back knew you to, were going to say that. Yeah, no, I mean, I go back to your. I mean, and trust me, I can relate. I know how difficult this this burden we put upon ourselves is. Uh, I, I mean, I thought it was like a four. You know, I mean, it was. I mean, it was a good follow up to the last issue, and it definitely kicks this new story arc, you know, off, you know, really, really well. And you're right, Otley's art is amazing. But it was just like, and there's some great discussions. And of course, I there's the the establishing shot of the Pentagon, and because everything was wrecked, it's a construction cruise, and there's a forklift putting in a new sign that says "Parking in Rear," which is just <laughs> like the old one, which which I, I did. I, I love I love that fucking sign. Even Bad Rock in it, I was like, that was really cool. Yeah, no, yeah. And then there was a lot of other, you know, image heroes in it and stuff like that. And, I mean, it was all right. You know, like, I, I mean, compared to, you know, there are some other books, some other books that probably jumped out to me that probably would have been a better pick of the week. But that's me. So I, I Well, well here's that, the thing. But, you know. I've rated this a four also. Yeah. I didn't have any fives this week. And yeah. that's the – we're all, so, about the, and, we're all about the ratings now, the numbers. We're, when, yeah, we're no. about the comics. <laughs> oh, man, I could yeah. deal with a point five now and then. Yeah. Anyway, but – and and then after that, you just have to go on what you feel. And so, right. me, this is one of my favorites. So it made me feel the most. For like for you, it might have been a different book. Yeah, 
you know, you're an unfeeling robot. How do you feel I, things? I know, and I sound even more like it than normal now. So <laughs> I sound hollow and, and empty. Oh, technology. Yeah. I do. I do like the direction Kirkman's taking the book in, I, and I, I, you know, I know some people were really, really harsh on on the last issue, like you and Tom and some other folks I spoke to. But I, I did enjoy the event in one issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely saw the flaws and I saw the problems with it. But I just, I like, I like the the changing it up and mixing it and giving it that. You know, and and that's the thing. It's like as these books. It's the sustainability of a comic that is that I'm finding interesting. Is that they're all everybody? It, it reminds me a lot of TV, every uh, TV shows. You know, everybody's living under this shadow of a guillotine, waiting for their book to get canceled because sales suck or whatever it is. And the few books that do make it and that break and break away from the first 24 issues, you know, 50 issues, you know, as we you know here we're on 61 issues. It's like, all right, well, do the creators really know where they're going to take this book long term? And I can only imagine how difficult that is. And so, well, sir, it, you know, it's probably game plan. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you game, but, but I'm, I imagine the game plan at issue, you know, we've talked to Kirkman, the game plan at issue five was different than what it ended up being, you know, like as, as the book goes, because things have to change and things, you know, and, and you just react and that sort of thing. So, it just—it's it, good to see it mix up. I liked the—I co- liked the costume change, you know, ten issues ago or whenever it was, and now I like this, you know, kind of, you know, bringing back this storyline that that is coming, you know, at the end of it, as well as the kind of kind of putting Invincible out of you know society's good graces. I think is a good direction, and and I look forward to him kind of, bi- you know, the rebuilding stage. Those last three pages, though, those are good pages. Oh yeah, they're great pages. There's almost your winner right there. One of the books, the book probably that more people—I think it's got to be the top pick. The one that most people said would have been their pick of the week was Detective 853, which is the second part of the Neil Gaiman, Andy Kubert, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader story, part two of two. Now, I I probably should caveat that I didn't read part one, and I'm not a a Batman fan, but I saw everybody talking about it on Twitter and on the site and stuff like that, so I read it in the store, and like, what the fuck? Yeah, you really needed. You really needed to read part one. This yeah, is not did. an issue you could jump onto. And <laughs> it just—it seemed like a whole lot of nonsense. That's for sure. And then it ended. <laughs> and then it ended really lamely. <laughs> it was a metaphysical. a metaphysical look at the entire history of Batman, which was set oh, up. Oh, which first I got issue. that. I understood that. I just—it was the. It was the. It was, I, I don't know. You guys talk about it, then I'll jump in. I just wanted to caveat that that I did read it though. Now, well, this is important. I asked Connor. I said, Connor, would this have been your pick of the week? I said no when you asked me, but I changed it to today to yes, uh, solely uh, because of the art. I thought it was artistic tour de force from Andy Kubert, and there's a reason why. I guess it was late because he was he mimicked so many different styles. It must have taken him forever. I noticed that. Yeah, that looked, the art that's, looked really good. That's not wrong. I, I thought actually the art was stronger in the last one, which where I really loved it. But that's in the that's first, in the first issue you mean, or yeah, okay, yeah. Um, um, that's I mean, there's there's some page, there's some panels here that are Brian Bolland. There's some panels here that are Dick, that are Dick Sprang. There's some there's some panels here that are straight out of Arkham Asylum. I mean, it must have taken him forever. Yep, so they did. That, that, yeah, it did. Um, three months or whatever it was. <laughs> it was good. You know, I, I gave it the pick solely for the art. The story was good. I don't know. There's something – I appreciate what they're doing, and I, I like the exploration of it. I like the, the last issue better than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's how I felt. It didn't really fulfill the promise of what I thought the first issue was because in the end, I just thought that it got a little sappy and poetic. Yeah. Which I think – I think to some people that goes a lot further than it does with me. I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, as far as I could tell, I, I, got, I get that Batman's dead and there's a funeral and everybody in his life, villains and heroes and friends and loved ones come to pay their respects and he watches it all. I get that kind of metaphysical idea. Then he talks to his mother. I get that and whole kind of, you know, facing, you know, who he is and why he is and all that kind of stuff. I get all that. And then it was the moment that it spilled into the 
Good night, Night Batcave. Good night, big dinosaur. Good night, giant penny. And then he's born? Yeah. What it was it? it was sort of similar to the to the way Barry Allen died in Crisis, where he became back to the beginning, which I didn't mind. I thought it was a nice poetic circle that they made. Right, so, it was so, so now he's born again. Like what no, happens? In just, well, not, not, none of this is this is all out right. of continuity. This has nothing yeah. to do. With There's everything. your problem. This, <laughs> this no. is a, this is a little story that's going to exist on its own, right. and that's yeah. that's, that's fine. Totally that's out of not, continuity story. Yeah. I just, I'm looking forward to Battle of the Cow number one next week. <laughs> I saw that. Like, that was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it's totally out of continuity story that it was interesting. I really like the exploration. I really, really like the idea of this person existing in different pop forms, and every panel is a different kind of Batman because he's a different kind of Batman. You know, throughout did you, the years. Did you did you re, did you take it to bed and say good night, Batman? Good night, Alfred. Good night, Robin. <laughs> did you? I did not, but uh, it, was, it was just a little sentimental and hokey for me at yeah. the end, and I was like, you know. Like I say, it's Neil Gaiman. It was just like they want it. They're going to pay me for this. All right. <laughs> but here's, no, here's the thing, and I, I truly believe this is it. If Neil Gaiman hadn't written this, written this, yeah. if somebody else had come along, you know, if you put Chuck Austin's name on this, people would have fucking lit fires. That's yeah. true for anything. Yeah, story. yeah. I know, but I, every I think, writer brings cachet in their, their fan base. It doesn't I, matter. What and it I is. think the people gave him a lot of credit on this one. See, I have, I have no allegiance to Neil Gaiman. I didn't think it was hope. sure. No, I, and I don't love everything he does. I think that. I think that this one, he, he really uh, he went for sentimentality. He didn't really do any plotting or any. There was no. Because st- there is no plot. That's the whole true. point. Just like totally continuity, fine. it's not a story. It's a look I back think, on Batman's 70 year history. No, and I think, but that's why I liked the first one so much because I thought it was inventive. It was all those different versions of the Batman story, and I was. It didn't. This didn't really tie into that, I guess. It wasn't. It didn't feel like it was a conclusion of that which had come in the first one. I don't even want to say it was bad. It wasn't bad. I gave this one four stars too, but it was why didn't I love it? And I was like, I just didn't connect with it at the at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that I think that you know Ron's right when when he starts doing the good night moon thing at the end. I was like, it's kind of funny in the first page, and I was like, good night Joker, really. And it went on like, for ninety pages. <laughs> like that's the sum of their relationship is good night. Like it's just yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there's more to it than that. Yeah. As if none of those things matter because it's all an endless repeating cycle anyway. That's the point. It's a story. It's all one story. Which is, which is once again, that's that's what Gaiman does. Yeah. yeah. Gaiman does. Hey, look, it's all a story, and God's walk among Earth. Those are the two things he does all the time. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons, like, I really liked Sandman because it's the first time that I read him do that. I read him do that a lot since then. Yeah. Um, and I, I spot that, I guess. And again, it's not bad. You're not wrong about Kubert. Kubert, you know, crushed it absolutely. But that's, I mean, that's why I didn't pick it. Good night, Josh. Good night, Connor. Good night, fanboy. Viking number one from Image came out amongst a wave, a tidal wave of hype and, and press, press and which hype. I must have been not privy to. Yeah. The art was really good. Oh, the art. Nick Klein. Nick Klein's art was fucking amazing. What I thought, well, I thought was great. Well, issue so issue one came out and it's printed in the old golden age oversized style. So it's not the standard kind of issue size, which I think is just it was so. And it really, the cover was just striking and just jumped off the shelf. And it, it's really a unique, you know, it's like almost like something reminded me of Eight Ball, actually, the the size. But yeah, so we talked to Ivan Brandon, the writer in Seattle, and, and basically he po- he posited this as a Viking crime book. I was really looking forward to it, and I think that you're, you're absolutely right. The art is really striking, but I do think it's the kind of striking that isn't going to be for like your everyday fanboy. Right. I mean, like I was sitting there going, "Wow, that's really different. Great." But 
Yeah, no, but for the same for the same reason why people are uh, were raving about Riley on on proof, I, I see you know it's the similar kind yes. of you know like I can't imagine you know I'm, I you know proof the the art and proof not going for the standard kind of fanboy. This isn't for I don't think this book is is for the the standard kind of superhero fanboy. It's it's a much different kind of book. Story wise, I, I admit I struggled, um, I, and I think I a, struggled a lot. Yeah, and I think a part of that is because I don't know who anybody is. And it's- here's a problem, and I got confused two or three pages in because people were getting named, but it wasn't clear who was naming who and who the person was. Right. That was happening a lot. Then one of the other things that was happening is there was a really good job at differentiating who people were. Everybody did have a look, and people did yep. not look alike, so that wasn't a problem. But there were a lot of characters right away, and it wasn't clear who I was supposed to pay attention to. Right, and I don't, now, and I don't exactly know. Or who they were or their relationships to each other were. Exactly. I, I thought the first, the first scene really hurt the book badly because you were so confused coming out of that first scene about anything. Yeah. The I, setting, the time period, who the people were, what, what was going on at all. Yeah. By the I read, time I got out of the first scene, I thought, wow, that was really great art. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I read and it three I, or four times. The whole book through, I thought the whole book like that. Yeah, yeah I, I read it a bunch of times in like, the first sequence trying to sort out what had happened, and, and it did take me too long. I think it was one of those, the idea is to just jump into a scene and let people figure it out, but for the first issue of a book, that's, that's difficult to do. It like, can also work when you're, when you're dealing with a setting that's familiar to people. When yeah, it's right. an really alien setting to people, it's a lot harder to jump into. You can drop me in the middle of a you know, a cr- crime scene in the middle of a modern day cop story, and I can figure out who's who and what's what. But here, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, you don't you don't yeah. know who what people's allegiances are. You don't know what their loyalties are. You don't know who you know who belongs to what. I don't know what the power structure is. You know, like it's and it's and it's tough because I don't I I didn't dislike it. It's just it, like I no. think I think I struggle I struggled with it, and hopefully issue two brings it together and that sort of thing. And, and it's meant to be written in a monthly format. So, I mean, that's what I've said. So, mm-hmm. you know, or, or issue format. So I, I think it just, it just, it's, it's foreign because it's, it's a, it's a culture, it's a setting, it's a whole thing. People, I, we, like you said, we have no idea. So, um, yeah, but it can, be, it can yeah. be done in a less confusing way. I had no problem in the first issue of Northlanders. Yeah. You know, it was just, it, I think this particular style was not a good style for a first issue where you don't know. Yeah. This, I just, I, I, I have no desire to pick the second issue up at this point. You know, I have to reread it to see if I, I, do, I do after that. But right. it was just a huge misstep to, to start that yeah, way. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, my, my approach to this was, is to take it, is to take it at, you know, ba- based off the art and based off the design choices and stuff like that to take the first arc. See you know see it through and then and then make judgment. That's what that's my position on it. I'm definitely interested in a second issue, and I'll tell you why. When I was a kid, my favorite movie was Excalibur, oh, yeah, which by the way, one. with the freaky I Merlin should, with the skull cap, yeah, <laughs> I should not have been watching that. That's what I learned because oh, it was I watched, on. I watched it. You shouldn't have been watching it either. It was on just this last week, and like I realized when I was a kid, I had no idea what the hell that was, but I thought it was cool as shit anyway. Yeah. And I wish I could imitate how Merlin used to talk. Oh my god, he had like this cadence, this like weird. It wasn't. It was like because that early '80s movie kind of. You know, <laughs> the whole movie sounded like it was done in ADR. And then the other weird thing is that the daughter, in the beginning, like the king is looking at. It's Gabriel Byrne actually yeah. as Uther. He's looking at the like the rival king's wife, and she's dancing all sexy. And then like he's like, I must have her, and she gets all naked. That was the director's daughter. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I was just like, ugh. Anyway, but it was like that. Like I was like, I don't really know who these people are, but this is still kind of cool. Yeah. And I figure I'll figure I'll sort it out. If I don't sort it out by the next issue, then I won't keep reading it. But if you know, yeah. New Avengers fifty two, another book that I I considered briefly. I think. What what you what you guys think of this one? You you said you wanted more of them sitting around talking, and damn it, that's what you oh, got. I want to know why. What happened to Doctor Strange's mustache? <laughs> when did it get so short? 
Yeah, no, he, he quickly shaved before he went back to their house. It hideout. bothered me. Like, you know, the, Dr. Strange has that awesome 70s style mustache that goes the Fu Manchu. That's that's part of his look. Well, and now he's just got, you know, normal man mustache. And it's just like, I can't take you seriously as Dr. Strange when you've got normal man mustache. Can I, can I tell you that this was the maybe one of the first times that I read like a bunch of Bachalo pages and thought, he's good. Yeah. He's, he's been good in this whole. He has been for, good. For a really long time, I didn't like Bachalo. Oh, you didn't and read I, the, the Spider-Man arcs he did? No, no, no. That's he where was good he, in those. Yeah, that's where he started doing these white borders. That, oh. I mean, like, this is the, if, if you like this, then you should go back and pick up the Spider-Man arcs because, yeah. I mean, this it's like the same thing but with Spider-Man. It was really, yeah. I mean, even, like, that part of the book, the, the stuff with Doctor Strange and Wiccan and the stuff with the hood I thought was great. I was like, this is really interesting. Like, they're taking this character, and I'm thinking to myself, is the hood going to get exercised and then become, like, a good guy? We'll find out. I, find, I think it all, is very, it all is very interesting. I like it. I like Dr. Strange. Yeah. I like this whole aspect to it. And uh, The whole dialogue just, around the table was still hysterical. was still, you know, like, yeah, but I, they're looking at the I was, eye of Amago. It holds up the cape, right? He goes, no, Princess, that's funny. Like, that was like <laughs> it was just funny to see Dr. Strange, like, get in the mix of it. You know? It's true, but it, I'll be honest, it's starting to drag. Yeah. Well, now, now three, they're moving. Three, days, so. three issues at the table, and like get on. And you know what? I you know nothing, I don't like Billy Tan's style. I said this last time, but like, oh, yeah, his, yeah. but still his ability to keep that clear. And I was really paying attention to like all the characters he had to put in each shot and how he was lining the shots and things like that. And I was like, well, he's really he's doing a good juggling job here, basically. And then the son of Satan shows up, and I don't really care. You will. Maybe so. So Josh, um, talk about Thor. <laughs> oh, Thor so one. Oh, and this is when we lose listeners. I think you have a long history of Thor. You love Thor. Thor's one of your favorite guys. You've got a Thor piece of art on your wall. Simonson. You're a big fan of the Thor books. You're not a big fan of J. Michael Straczynski. So you read the first trade. You didn't really love it. You haven't read Thor since. Everyone hates you. Go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, I, I put you. an article up at some point on the site because. Will had six gun on the site had sent me the first the first six issue collection of of the new Thor series and said I think you you'll really like this give it a shot and I did and it 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 was okay I mean that's what I would give to it like I wasn't terribly excited about it I I mean he's chosen like a the setup's okay but it it was just sort of flatlining to me I thought and I read a thing here or there in the middle that wasn't so bad I read that issue where Cap came back and I really didn't like that very much and then. When I was in the midst of trying to pick a book and I couldn't, I was like, well, let me read Thor. So I read 601. I figured that's probably going to be a fairly easy place to jump on because, you know, 601. <laughs> and it annoyed the shit out of me right from the beginning. And I think it's, a, it's not a question of plotting or anything like that. It was a question of tone. I t- I'll tell you exactly what really knocked me right off. Right from the very beginning, Donald Blake exists in sort of the ether realm like the other side of thor vice versa depending on how they are which is always kind of something i I liked although i don't know blake i feel like he drags the character thor down i want thor to exist on his own a little and like have to you know be the god among men and and deal with that but like the discussion where like blake is referencing movies and stuff like that it just i don't know it just feels wrong for thor and i thought that there was a lot of that in this issue where there was all these pop culture touchstones which are contradictory to what I always liked about Thor books. And that is the root of what I don't like. And then they had the three, the, the Grim. Warriors three. three. Yeah, yeah, the Warriors Three, who I, I, I love. I think those are so much fun. And they showed him as, you know, Volstagg as, as a you know, ridiculous drunk. And then he quoted directly, without reference, Val Kilmer from Tombstone, one of my favorite movies of all time. And he said, I've not yet begun to defile myself. And I just thought, that's fucking cheap. Like it was really like lame, and if you didn't know what it was, you wouldn't notice it. But things like that, and then just be like 
being drunk and feeling sorry for themselves. I was like, it's just, it just didn't feel right. And then I got to Doctor Doom and I hated the way that Doctor Doom was being written. I didn't even notice the Wikipedia thing. Yeah, I, I read this too because Josh read it. I said, you know, screw it. He, he threw the gauntlet down. I'll pick it up. And he lost me right in the first couple of scenes when Doctor Doom talks about having to look something up on Wikipedia. Mm. And that's when I went, all right, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I, I finished the whole issue. I was just like, I'm done with this. And and the Warriors, I, the Warriors three stuff annoyed me. They were just, they were just, they were annoying. The, the, I don't know that it's just, it's weird. The whole, the whole thing it was funny because there was so much vitriol on the site about about Thor and people were were calling for Josh's head that he didn't pick it as the pick of the week and all that stuff. I, I flipped through the issue, like, and we've talked about this before, personally amongst the three of us. Is like personally for me, I just have no interest in Thor. Like I just I you know I don't even have like I, I appreciate the art from the Simonson arc back in the day and stuff like that, but I, I didn't read that back then. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I, and so I have no kind of affinity for it. I have no interest in it. And reading this just kind of cemented that for me. And I guess the whole thing is that like not everything is for everybody. I guess that's the that's the and, moral and I, of the story. Here's you know? <laughs> the thing: I don't think this is bad. The art looked beautiful, by the way. No, the art, and it's actually yeah. it's um the cover guy. It's Jarko Mercury. Yeah, the art was good. The art was really good. I love Koi Piel. I thought yeah, he was Koi really Piel good. Koi Piel was really nice. Yeah. It just it's not for me. It's not what my idea of Thor, a Thor comic is supposed to be like. A lot of people like it, and the, you know, like everybody. So clearly, you know, I'm you know I'm biased about this in some way. I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I really like. I it's just it's so not my. Yeah, but you have an image of Thor in your head because you read a lot of Thor comics as a kid in a certain style. And I do, and I, I also I do think Straczynski writes in a way where I think it. There's this like, it feels to me like a conscious attempt to make everything really matter. Like if it was a Michael Bay movie, the music would be swelling a lot, and you'd be like, "Stop trying to make me feel like this is important." Would the ground be uh, wet? It would be slightly wet. Okay, and it would the camera <laughs> it would spin be, around Thor like three times. Three pigeons would fly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like Thor himself should be this epic character all the time, and I see the the idea behind grounding him. You know, like like putting him in this small midwestern town. It sounds like a good idea on paper, but I, it doesn't work for me. And really, I just thought a lot of the writing was cutesy in this like referential pop culture way. That a I think. Straczynski is doing as a put on because I don't remember him doing that kind of stuff a lot. No, he did. He did Spider Man, and it works for Spider Man because that's the character. It doesn't work for Thor. It, do, it, it just doesn't work for. And I and like like, and for me, like getting to Doom. Doom was the last. I was like, you're, you're not going to write Doom, right? Come on. His Doom wasn't good. I, I, he's the, he's the guy that wrote Doom that cried at nine eleven. Yeah, that's. He just doesn't. He doesn't get Doom. No. So that's why I didn't like it. Obviously, I mean, I'm re- I was reading the comments on it. People really loved it, and I I don't get it, but. You know? I thought it was very average. I thought there was some stuff I liked, but most of the stuff I felt was kind of annoyed by. So, And I want this to be, you know, I went in, I was like, I really hope I love this because I think it would be a lot of fun to make this my pick of the week. Like, I, And I, I, I really I went in with an open mind. I really thought about it, but it just didn't do it for me. And that's okay. Not it is okay. To, not everything has to do it. Yeah. That's okay. You know what else is okay? If you want T-shirts and your local store doesn't have any in your size, you, maybe you need something to wear to, to the Comic-Con, something like that. You want to you dress up your geek cred. Uh, you can go to Coast City Styles. They will hook you up. They specialize in comic book T-shirts from DC, Marvel, and many of you, you know, the, the movies. And all the, they got all the new Rainbow Lantern Corps. Do they officially call them the Rainbow Corps? I the hope color? not. I really hope not. They should. But seriously, those are like the shirts. I do, I do have to admit, I wore my Red Lantern shirt to work the other day, and I walked in, and somebody who knew about it was like, oh, 
Like he like <laughs> kind of left me alone. I was like, <laughs> you buy each of them and then dress according to exactly. Mood. <laughs> like if you wear the orange that day, like the one where you're going in for a raise or whatever, you should do that. So uh, if you want to get some t-shirts and and you're an iFanboy listener, as I assume you are, if you're listening to this, it would almost have to be so. Um, you can get ten percent off any purchase. Enter the coupon code iFanboy in the checkout field. That's CoastCityStyles.com. It's for geeks, picked by geeks. So get over there, check out their merch. Kickass number six came out, and for two ninety nine, I don't see how you can get more bang for your buck. This must have been your pick. No, actually, it wasn't. Uh, it was really close, though. But this was this issue was really good. This is, yeah, I, it was. I, it, it was really, really good, and it, and it and it was probably really good because it it didn't center around Kickass getting his ass kicked. Uh, yes. <laughs> this we so we finally we kind of learn more about Big Daddy and Hit Girl, and we kind of get their origin, and we find out that you know Big Daddy is a Punisher esque type guy whose wife was killed, and so he goes on this mission to you know avenge you know to do justice, but for some reason starts training his his young daughter and allows them to dress up like superheroes to keep her interested in it, which I thought was a fascinating kind of angle to it. It had tinges of the professional. Yes. And tinges of uh, Tulip story from Preacher. Yeah, exactly. But what was great was that we got that whole kind of flashback of their origin as well as, you know, it ties in them trying to recruit Kick-Ass and and the Red Mist and kind of, you know, do a team up to do their whole thing. And it ends with a great betrayal. And this was just like, I read it and I I immediately read it again because it was so much fun. I liked it. I would agree with that. All of that. Yes. Awesome. I read this one too because I hadn't been reading it. I jumped off. It was better than the ones that came before it. I got a little confused because I hadn't been reading it, maybe. But the girl who – because she had the wig. Like there was a couple storytelling things where I was like, wait, who am I looking at now? Well, Um, luckily there aren't many young girls, so. No, but they skipped time a couple of times in a weird place. And I kind of lost track of where I was. But good stuff. You know, it was was, was good. What was also good was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 13. I am Groot. Oh, God. It was – for me, it was all about the page when they're planning, the tactics page. Oh, God, that was hysterical. So so essentially, this ties in with the War Kings, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are, are back together. They're getting their shit together. Warlock has joined the team back, and they're, they're aware of the war between the Kree and the Shi'ar, and with the Inhumans leading the Kree. And basically, Adam Warlock saying, like, this is not only, you know, hurting the universe politically, but it's also threatening to rip the fabric of space. You know, that's when it gets a little kind of cosmic-y, and that's when I kind of, kind of roll my eyes, but you just roll with it. And there's a great nine-panel... Right. I was yeah. I was just flipping through it. I found it. I was like, oh, that's the one you're talking about. Yeah, you're not wrong. Oh yeah, of, of Rocket Raccoon and Star Lord planning the attack, and it was just it was just a great conversation. And Abnett Landing, no, this whole of War of Kings event is being totally orchestrated by Abnett Landing, and I'm on board for it all. It's just fantastic. You know there was some talk um, this week, uh, sort of on a piece that I did about whether you can do people talking. Yep. And this to me is a perfect example how you could do like a, a West Wing type scene. The camera doesn't shift. It's all done in body language. Granted, one of them is a raccoon. <laughs> but, no, this was a totally fun issue. And, and to this day, like, how many are we in now? Number 13. Yeah. The first few pages that have the, the briefing, Yep. Uh, I love those pages. Yep. Where, like, each character gives their little take on what had happened sort of after the fact, the real-world camera, I guess. Yeah, like the, the debriefing type thing. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It was a really fun issue. Um, and Will Quintana, who I, who's not been on it, I don't think, up to now, he did a really good job. Yeah. Lots of oh. lots of stuff going on. Lots, lots and lots of, of stuff. characters. Yeah, yeah. So why wasn't that your pick? You sound like you liked that one. I did. I really did. I no, was, no, no. Not you. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't earth shattering. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, didn't, it, it didn't. It didn't. Like not like you know, they they set out a plan and it didn't go as planned. And of course, you know, it's it's kind of. I feel like it's pre- prelude to what's coming. Yes. You know. Yeah. 
That's actually why, because it was just like it was, it was getting from one place to another kind of issue. It wasn't really that anything had happened. Yeah. I have to justify everything. Yes. yes, you do. Ghost Rider thirty four. This is Jason Aaron. He's getting in to near the end of his run on Ghost Rider, and he's got Tony Moore on art right now, and it's, it is just magnificent. This whole ride from Jason Aaron on Ghost Rider has been a very grindhousey B movie ish type of over the top kind of a thing you'd see at three in the morning on you know television. The first arc was great. The middle arc's been varying degrees of good. And this has been returned to the first arc quality. And a lot of it has to do with Tony Moore on art. But it's really just, this was a one-shot of Ghost Rider fighting a demon trucker <laughs> who goes around killing other truckers and feeding their souls to a demon. And just a lot of trucker stuff and demons on fire and Ghost Rider burning people and hooks and decapitations. And, and Tony Moore is just, just fantastic. Yeah, and he yeah. makes it so much better. Yeah, And he's just amazing. And this... It's only been two issues he's been on, but this this is a one shot you can totally pick up and just enjoy as a story because it doesn't tie in really. Yeah. There's some other there's some oblique references, but for the most part, it's just him versus a demon, and it's great. He's a big trucker demon. Good I don't stuff. know how I missed like I got off and then I forgot to get back on, and this just sounds fantastic. So you I, can get 34 and 33 it was a big recap of everything that's happened, and you can totally read that too. And that's that okay. was some great Tony Moore stuff. But the book that was briefly my pick of the week when Josh and I talked yesterday was Scalped. 28. And this is, I thought, one of the better scalps in a long time. This was the issue where we find out the truth behind the big murder mystery that's been hanging over the entire story since the first issue, mm-hmm. which was the uh, murder of the FBI agents in 1975, I believe, mm-hmm. which involves all the major older characters. And we finally find out the truth about that, who really did the murders, and who killed Dashiell's mother. And, and it's all, it was, it was sort of the, the point in the, the murder story where you get the reveal, and it's all very exciting, and now what's going to happen at the last 10 minutes of the movie? And so that's, for me, it was very exciting to finally get the pieces put in place. Mm-hmm. And it's just full of great Jason Aaron dialogue, great Jason Aaron characterization, some prison stuff that was, that was really strong. And he just does the stuff really well. And, and this was that moment in the story where you finally get the answers, which was nice. Yeah, it was a good issue. I think I lost a little, just I got some people mixed up. Like I was trying to remember who, who catcher. You confused this week. You had a yeah. rough week, didn't you? <laughs> I, well, I, I, to be fair, on, on Wednesday, I, I did have the flu. So. What's going on? Where am I? Who are you? Where's the lady who brings my pills? <laughs> Dynamo 5, number 21, just could just cements the fact that if you want modern superhero team book, Dynamo 5 is the book you got to be reading. This book is just so good, and this issue was just so innocently good. And it's almost like, you know, now that Noble Causes is finished, I kind of I kind of come to the conclusion that Jay Ferber learned from Noble Causes and is applying all that to this book. And it's just so much fun to read. This issue had a couple of different storylines going in it. Visionary, one of the, the guy with the, the face who shoots the face beams, takes out the young firebird out on a date. And at the same time, Scrap, the kind of gothy kind of strength one, goes out on a date with a guy that she met on you know internet dating site. So it's got that kind of reminded me of like old kind of X Men, you know, when they would go out on dates with people and like try to have lives. Meanwhile, keeping the the main kind of larger plot lines moving. Great twist with the guy that Scrap goes out with. Turns out he's a reporter, and and at the end of their date, she's like, "So what do you work on?" He's like, "Oh, I'm doing an expose on Dynamo Five. I'm going to find out who they are and what makes them tick." And it was like, in yes, it's the kind of Superman-y kind of you know like you know a nosy reporter type you know type thing, but it just works. It, it works on a modern level that is just like so. It just it's every every beat that is hit is hit well, and it's just so quality. So I love this book. Again. I am I'm looking forward to the third trade very much. So yeah, 
And admittedly, I think I, I, I'm be curious to what you think of it because I think that the third trade kind of dragged a little um, in some places. But the past the past two issues have just been like, okay, yeah, like I'm so much yeah. faith in this book; it's so good. But it's, you uh, you read them over the course of six seven months, yeah, whereas exactly. I'll read them in the afternoon, yeah, so it probably yeah. won't be so bad. Yeah, I guess. But you'll be confused. Yes, yeah, so. so you won't know who anybody is. Who's this guy? Seriously, where am I? <laughs> so, um, so if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see all the books that came out this week. And there are a bunch of other ones that came out. We want to highlight some of the user reviews by the folks who frequent ifanboy.com and get their take on some of the other books that came out. And our first review comes from El Capitan Corti who reviewed <laughs> Supergirl number 40 and gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. And at the time of this recording, 0.02% of the community made that their pick of the week. And El Capitan Cordy says, The fact that Gates has been heavily involved in the ongoing new Krypton saga, which is running through all the titles in, Super- in the Superman family, has certainly helped alleviate the directionless quality that formerly plagued the title. And regardless of direction, Gates has been doing a bang-up job mi- of mixing action and words, much better than I've come to expect from people just breaking into the industry. So a little praise for the writing there, even though he gave the story a three out of five. <laughs> yeah, no, he said, I think he's like I – mean, basically the point being that you know the book has been sort of directionless since its relaunch. And he said that Gates is doing as admirable a job as anybody plus the fact that he's still pretty new at it. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I mean again, I've heard nothing but good things about Supergirl. I mean it's, it's, if you like that kind of thing, it's, it's supposed to be good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very awesome praise from Ron Richards. Next up, put that uh, in the back of a book. Yeah, if, this is, if you like this sort of thing, it's for you. <laughs> I've read all your work. <laughs> That's what Ron said to a creator when he met him, and he didn't like the work that he'd done. Hey, I've read all your work. Anyway, uh, Joe Com <laughs> reviewed Scroll Kill Crew number one. He gave the story a two out of five, and the art a two out of five. So not so great. I had some hope from the mini story in the Dark Rain New Nation. He thinks that was the name, and I think he might be right, because that was pretty good. But this one just felt meh. Now, maybe I set my expectations too high. I was hoping to see Ryder be like the new Iron Fist or War Machine, but I can see it will likely be Mike Moon Knight, great at first, and then it, and then some HBO writer takes them down. Uh, and the reason that I wanted to highlight this, and I actually read this, is because this was written by Adam Felber, who I know from uh, NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And he's also a writer for HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. And this is this is off the back of Grant Morrison and Mark Miller, I think. Yeah, the, um, the Skull Kill Crew was a was a Morrison Miller. Hey, they're letting us play in the mid '90s with scrolls, and it's like supposed to be epically fantastic and wonderful, and and somewhat of a sacred cow. So I was kind of sad to see them bring it back for this. Well, Although I don't this, believe th- these are different characters, right? Uh, well, the yeah. thing is, here's the problem with it. I didn't ever read that, and this was a first issue. And either he doesn't know who these characters are or he's assuming that everybody does. Right. And so it sort of starts right in the middle of everything. And I, I pretty much followed. You know, as a, as a sort of page-to-page exercise in comic book writing, I thought it wasn't bad. It was, you know, dynamically well. The pages were constructed well. I was actually sort of surprised since the guy's not a comic book writer. And it was kind of funny, but it didn't do enough setup. Like, you know, when you, you read Flash Rebirth and the first, you know, eight pages told you exactly where you were, even if you had had no idea. It didn't do that. So it was very much like, well, what am I looking at? What's going so you on? You could say that you were perhaps a bit confused. <laughs> <laughs> then it just didn't excite me. No. <laughs> if, there was a, if there was a book that excited you, go to ifanboy.com. Get off my lawn. <laughs> go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and you can write a review and you can rate your books. Tell everybody what you think. Be heard on ifanboy.com forward slash comics. 
on to the email. First up, and this is not confusing at all, I just like to say, is Ben G. And he said, did any of you read the Annihilation event? I, I've just picked up the <laughs> event. Did any of you read the Annihilation event? I just picked up the first few copies of the Prelude, Thanos 7 through 11, and it seems interesting so far. But is it worth pursuing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Annihilation was fantastic. was so much fun. It was originally plotted and planned out by Keith Giffen, who's a legend in the industry. And if anything, it shows you the emergence of Abnett and Landing as my new master. This is where all this stuff that, we, that we're talking about now, this is where that all started. Yeah. I've only read the first volume of it. The trades are really expensive for whatever reason. and But it was great. And the, the the first half of the first trade is by Keith Giffen. I didn't like it as much. It's really well plotted, but like the dialogue is kind of iffy. The art's really, really good. And then the next part is Abnett and Lanning sort of grabbing Nova for the first time and just oh, so good. Kill it, killing it right away. Like yeah. right away, it's as good as it is now. Yep. So I imagine it can only get better. It's all those years in through. 2000 AD, man. They, it's paying off. Eat. I suppose. But yeah, no, read Annihilation. There's no reason not to read it. If you like science fiction, if you like, I mean, like, it's it completely, you don't need to know anything. Just pick it up, go with it, and it's fun. Kendall from Texas writes and says, yo, 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 <laughs> I've been reading comics for about a year, and I've been reading and thoroughly enjoying a lot of more serious and dark stuff, i.e. Final Crisis, Batman R.I.P., Battlefield, Scalp, etc. However, I think I really need something fun to read or I may become depressed. What do you recommend? I'd rather not read anything too cartoony or childish. Tiny Titans. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. It's <laughs> not supposed to be fun. I was confused. <laughs> it's supposed to be mean. What's fun? Dynamo 5? Devil. Yeah, Dynamo 5 is fun. What were you saying, Josh? That was a joke. I said Daredevil. Oh, no. Daredevil it's not. Dynamo all. 5 is fun. We say Invincible's fun. It is. Go it back. is. Kick-Ass is fun. Go read Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass is fun. I, I mean, even when you want to talk about the those uh, Ghost Rider books. I mean, they're not. They're definitely not for kids. I think Fear Agent is a ton of fun. That's probably my favorite fun book that's just space adventure. Like, he's kind of sad in it, but it's not. It's kind of cartoony. It's not too heavy. It's not too dark. Yeah. Not cartoony in a, in a childish way, but right. sort of wacky action movie way. Yeah. Yeah, fun. Amazing Spider-Man. That's Spider-Man. fun. Isn't it? Spider-Man is fun. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, Amazing yeah. Spider-Man is really fun. Yep. And there's, there's definitely fun books out there. There totally is. Are I, I would say the J- think, right? JSA was fun, even though Magog, Magog, all the thing with Gog and everything was pretty heavy. But that was fun. Like that was like I had fun reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Not Walking Dead. No. <laughs> that's, that's that's the antithesis of fun. <laughs> So if you have any questions for us, uh, shoot us an email, contact.ifanboy.com. We love to hear from you. We love answering your questions. And if you need to go buy a fun comic book and you want to pick up something fun to read, uh, you should head over to InStock Trades. InStockTrades.com is one of the best places to buy trade paperbacks online. You can save up to 37% off titles. They've got free shipping on orders over $50, so that's kind of inclines you to order more. You can order over 5,400 trade paperbacks. They're in stock and ready to order. They've got the new releases every Wednesday. When you make an order, it usually ships within 48 hours, and they pack it all neatly and nicely. So go to InStockTrades.com. They will take care of you there. All right, on to the voicemail. Our first voicemail comes from our buddy Jeff from Texas talking about art. It's uh, Jeff from Texas. Uh, I have a question about original art. I never get a chance to go to, like, big cons, and I would love to own a piece of original Mark Backley art. But I don't know where I could get my hands on that aside from like eBay. You know, is there are there like websites? Does he have a website? Do, do most artists have have a website where they can look for that kind of thing? Because I looked on Wikipedia, I didn't see a Bagley website. But um, I was wondering if there was like a place where a lot of artists like posted, you know, pieces that they've done. And you can order them. So uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Jack. Bye. 
Okay, we're going to assume that Jeff doesn't have Google. Well, because well, he, I have <laughs> Wikipedia. I would assume. <laughs> Google's blocked. We're going to assume Google's blocked. If you go to Google and just type Mark Bagley original art, the first hit is theartistchoice.com slash bagleyan.htm, which is a place where you can buy all of Mark Bagley's original artwork. <laughs> So that's that's theartistchoice.com. They have stuff from yeah. all throughout his career. And the actually, way that the artist choice is he's this guy's that's the guy in Norwalk, the guy where I used to live. I oh never, right, I never actually met him. I, he shopped at my store, and I never ran into him in seven years or eight years I was there. The way that it kind of works is an artist, a lot of times now, will find a dealer that he works with, and that guy will sort of exclusively. I say guy because there are no women involved with this at all. No, um, <laughs> that guy will exclusively represent that artist and sell their pages. So the good news of it is that you will find, you know, everything that's available from a specific artist is usually in that one place. They used to a lot of guys used to sell it on their own, like through eBay, but I think that's not done yeah, as much. Yeah, so you've got the original dealers like Splash Page Art and and the site that Bagley stuff is on, theartistchoice.com. But then there's also there are also big dealers like Albert Moy and some of those other ones who they're buying pages and reselling them from those dealers and things like that. So really, all you got to do is go to Google, type in a, a creator, an artist's name, and original art, and you're gonna find you're most likely you're gonna find something. Yeah. Here's a tip: if you want a Lanil Francis, you don't buy now. It's top of the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> wait, wait three or four years, you'll be okay. You know what I was? Re- and I was reading a really old comic book from the late '90s, and I found an ad for Preacher, Steve Dillon pages, and not a one of them was over sixty-five dollars. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. Well, even three years ago, art was relatively cheap, and in the last three years, yeah, the market has really exploded, and it's all really expensive now. Yeah, it's painful. Looked at a lot of Michael Lark pages and thought, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I almost pulled the trigger on a f- double-page spread. Cliff Chang JLA p- page from the, the hospital scene from when Connor was in the hospital and it was oh. it was it was relatively reasonably priced but they they didn't do like credit card orders oh so I uh, backed out of it but yeah. I kind of wish I hadn't because uh, it would have been awesome another, to have that. another good site to check out is cadencecomicart.com they've got a lot of kind of up and comers I know Mike Norton's art is there but there's a whole bunch of other people Scotty Young's art and and some some of those other folks who. You know Jamal Jamal Eigel. You know that more people are checking out, and so you know there. You want to like that's the thing. It's like I remember a couple of years ago we were looking, weren't we looking at? Oh, who was it? Oh, Michael Lark art, and it was just so cheap. Now yep. it's like through the roof. I mean, you definitely want to try to buy, you know, buy early as opposed to later. The thing was know. nobody bought Gotham Central, but a lot of people bought Captain America and Daredevil. Right, exactly. Mm. All right, our next voicemails also economically minded. This is Dave calling you. It's about seven o'clock in Denver. Looking at my copy of the New York Times, which I still buy uh, for a dollar fifty. Okay, um, so people complain about how much this thing is, but I'm thinking there's way more paper and way more pages than the comics that I'm buying for four bucks now. I'm thinking, would you guys spend a dollar to get comics for in this format, kind of cheap, ratty paper, without all the gloss and covers and stuff you could do and do you think they could sell enough to make a profit in this format i don't know if so get started on changing the industry for me thanks well we're not at all privy to the business side of the, the company so we can't really say whether or not they could do that or whether or not it would lower prices because there's so many other things involved in the pricing of a comic there's all kinds of overhead that's not involved with newspapers there's a different business yeah but the idea of would fans buy it i think some would but i don't, I don't think most would because i think the production is so high, these, and it's been so high for so long that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want a, I wouldn't want a crappy looking comic because the art is so important. Imagine like taking your HD TV away and going back. Yeah, it'd be really hard. And I, and I know that that's that's like such a first world problem, you know. But 
I haven't gone back and bought a lot of black and white showcases or anything. You know, and those are done sort of on crappy newsprint. Well, I think it's different. I mean, I, I buy the old reprints of the Golden Age stuff because the art was crappy to begin with, uh, right. on crappy production. I'm talking about the art done now. It's different. No, and absolutely, and that's the thing. And we, you know, like think about when you know the Ultimates came out, and everybody's like, "Oh, the art production's terrible." You know, y- y- we've gotten really used to that. And and going, you know, reading older comics now, even stuff that was printed in the '80s. Like the you know the colors bleeding off of the sides and stuff is smudged and the pages get dark and it you know it's not as good and it's not it doesn't do justice to the work that the guys are doing yeah. I don't think and plus like Connor said just the economics of the of the paper industry and publishing are just it, it's it's such a nightmare in terms of paper prices and all that kind of stuff so who knows you know the pricing is what it is and it's not going back they're not rolling it back it's not going to happen everybody you talk to in the industry says they've been holding the line for years and they said they finally had to do it it's not like they're doing it on, to build you out of more money it's they're doing it to survive. Yeah. Like everybody else in this economy, it's not going to change. And you either buy less books or you can pay the extra dollar or yeah. or continue to pay the extra dollar and complain, which is what everyone seems to be choosing to do. So if you every wanna, week, every if, week. If you wanna com- <laughs> if you wanna complain some more, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Complain away. We are your your ear to complain. Sounding to. Your, your sounding every board. Monday. Every Monday. Three ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing that for <laughs> yeah. not a surprise. All right. You can check that out at ifanboy.com. You can read Josh, Ron, Ron, Josh. Some sort of strange contract between the two of you. The confusion is spreading. I just, <laughs> it is getting hot. It is in the 80s. It, it really is getting hot in here right now. So That's the first. Ready, That's the first ready, 2009. <laughs> the first reference. It only gets worse as we get towards July. <laughs> check out ifanboy.com for Josh's Pick of the Week review. You can read more in-depth comic book discussion there. Our daily columnists, all of our fun stuff, our new features, all the fun things happening at ifanboy.com. You can go to ifanboy.com slash about to see our social 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 blah blah blah. I just <laughs> I love I collapsed. You verbally spun up. out. Yep. <laughs> and you can see all of our social networking links there. You can be our friends at all kinds of different locations. And you can go to ifanboy.com slash store and ifanboy.com slash Amazon to help out. And before we move on on the social network type thing, go to Facebook, search for iFanboy, become a fan of the iFanboy page. It's there for you. It's a good resource. It's a good place to be, a good place to collaborate and talk to other iFanboy fans. So check us out on Facebook too if you get a chance. And you can support iFanboy by becoming an iFanboy member. This is the program that we've set up to help keep the lights on, sort of literally. Not, not even figuratively. This is how we keep all of this stuff going these days, and uh, we, we very much need your support. So if you know, this is, if iFanboy is an important part of your comic reading life and your comic reading life is an important part of your life, think about giving the cost of one comic book a month. One crappy comic book a month will – oh, God, I sound like Sally Struthers. <laughs> you, can, you can join at $4 a month or $42 a year, which saves you a little bit. And that gives you an iFanboy prize pack, which is a random comic book, some stickers and some buttons. Um, or $10 a month, uh, that's the platinum level, as we don't call it, or $100 a year. Um, if you pay all at once, we'll get you a prize pack that will include that stuff and a uh, free uh, members edition, special edition members t-shirt. And you can also check out the new iFanboy limited edition shirt, the power responsibility quotient graph that has nothing to do with any superhero characters you may or may not know that are arachnid-based. Are those still available for pre-order? Or the, just- the, yeah, they're available for pre-order. They're in the process of being printed right now, and the, the people who have do, done the pre-orders will be getting them in the next few weeks. But yeah, we've got stock, so get them while you can before uh, we're doing a limited print run of 250 again. So mm-hmm. uh, don't miss out. There, you know, Some folks missed out on the Herm shirt, and we've asked you know, we've asked you that if you're still interested in another print run of the Herm shirt, to email us a contact at a fanboy, subject line Herm, to let us know that you'd want it. If we get enough people to respond, maybe we'll do another print run 
of that. But in the meantime, you can't get it, so don't miss out on the Power Responsibility shirt. Also, uh, if you if you're still waiting for your iFanboy Prize Pack, basically about two thirds of them have gone out. About one third's left to go. They are going to be going out this week. I'm pretty sure. So look for them in the next couple of weeks. Thank you very. Well, a lot of them definitely are because I've spent the last yeah four hours packaging packages. So um, so that's definitely definitely going out this week. Yes. So 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 thank you for your patience. That's coming in soon. Cool. And if you want one of the iFanboy intern shirts, they are still available at revision3.com forward slash store. They're on sale for fifteen ninety nine, and there's literally only a couple left. So get it while you can. Every Wednesday or late Tuesday, you can go to revision3.com slash iFanboy or iFanboy.com to see our weekly video show, the half hour to an hour extravaganza of comic book goodness. And this last week, we did Ron's Christmas Vault Show, where we looked at two books Ron got us for Christmas and then one random book that Ron pulled off his shelf. Because he didn't buy himself a present. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and this next week, we are talking about Wolverine in commemoration with the Wolverine Origins film. We'll take a look at everyone's favorite character from Canada, who also has claws and says bub. Hmm. You can email contact at ifanboy.com and send us letters and things like that, or you can uh, leave a voicemail, like we said, at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326 not three two. Yeah, spin out number two. 326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, if you're leaving a voicemail, you've got to say your name. You've got to tell us who you are, and you've got to get to the point and be blathering <laughs> off and a half, for God's sakes. You know. We get a lot of five-minute voicemails. Yeah. I'm not playing those. Come on. The, Come on. Uh, what did I call about? Um... Right. Well, I don't agree with you. Anyway, so do that. Make sure that you, you communicate. You feedback with us. Obviously, we read stuff on the show. We put letters that, you know, they go up on, on the website. We like that content, so thank you. Indeed, and we like you, and we hope that you like us. And if you do, go to iTunes and leave a review. It helps, out, helps get the word out about iFanboy. It helps new listeners discover us and decide whether or not they should hit that subscribe button. And so go to iTunes. We've got over 400 reviews. We thank everybody who's left a review. We thank everybody who's left a review for our friends over at Around Comics and Tom vs. The Flash and Pipeline and Word Balloon and Comic Geek Speak and 11 O'Clock Comics, every other comics podcast, leave reviews. It's a good way to participate with all this whole podcasting community. And even more so, if you can get the word out by telling your friends or telling your comic book store or anybody else who you think might be into iFanboy to check us out, just, just write, the, write the URL on a post-it and leave it on their desk and just walk away. Don't say anything. Let them discover it for themselves. We really appreciate it and thank you to everybody for doing that up to today. Is this a porn site? It no. might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, well, uh, without some more memberships, we may have to turn this into a porn site. You, you, want you, don't, that? you don't want that. <laughs> Actually, people are going, you, you know, know what you we don't... can do? We might be able to do an iFanboy staff calendar. Hmm, yeah. We almost have enough staff members. Ooh, I'm rotund <laughs> enough to make that work. <laughs> that's, that's if, not... you want, if you want an iFanboy staff calendar, send an email to josh at iFanboy.com with subject, subject line, line calendar. calendar. Yes. Yes. Subject line, I'd buy that for a dollar. It'd be me eating, eating like a big turkey leg slathered gravy. <laughs> For twelve. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna leave you with just that. You, we've got staff members. You freak. <laughs> we're gonna leave with you that egomaniac with that mental image of Josh eating a turkey leg naked. <laughs> Until next. Would week. you be covered in Who gravy or naked? not covered? In gravy? I never said naked. You plug that in yourself. <laughs> Until, but that's the calendar. That's the whole point of the calendar. You see, the naked or scantily clad. All calendars must have nudity. You could be covered in. You could be covered in gravy. Very thick gravy. We wouldn't be seeing it. That seems to me like a horrendous waste of gravy. Until <laughs> <laughs> next week, I'm Ron. Your wife might not agree, though. She might be into it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm Connor. And I, I don't think I'm going to do that to gravy. <laughs> so there. I'm Josh, and I'm for gravy. You respect gravy too much. I do, especially yeah. when it's seasoned properly. <laughs> and on your belly. <laughs> Look how I rub it in. It makes my skin soft. Next.